Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. Have you checked out Ask Dr. Gray Pre-Med Q&A? Did you know, that's the newest podcast actually, did you know that we record those live on Facebook? I do a Facebook Live. When I'm home in my studio, I'm there 3 o'clock Eastern. Join me on Facebook Live. I'll answer your questions. I'll hang out hang out there for usually 20 or 30 minutes. A, a few of that, a few of those minutes are set aside for the actual recording of the podcast. But the rest of the time, I'm there to answer your questions and hang out with you. So join me on Facebook. It's medicalschoolhq.net slash Facebook to join that Facebook Live. And don't forget to subscribe to Ask Dr. Gray Pre-Med Q&A. This is the Pre-Med Year, session number 259. Hello and welcome to the three-time Academy Award-nominated podcast and lost the Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a medical student. And welcome to the pre-med years. If I met you this past weekend, as I'm recording this, in Tampa, Florida at AMSA Pre-Med Fest, it was awesome meeting you. I gave a talk there at AMSA Pre-Med Fest on the medical school interview with about 120 students. It was amazing. Room full of people, tons of great questions. And then I even stayed an extra like 45 minutes after the conver- after my talk, hung out in the hallway, answered more questions, gave out a, a bunch of books, I think 60 books total, and uh, just had a blast meeting everybody. Had a great dinner meetup afterwards with 15 people. So thank you. If you were there, thank you for coming. We had people coming from... California. We had Sawyer come in from Illinois or Indiana. One of those. I forget. Indiana, I think. (laughs) Sorry, Sawyer. Anyway, a ton of great people. Dylan from California and Sawyer from one of those I states, Indiana, I think. (laughs) Anyway, so if you were there, thank you for coming. I would love to meet you at the next conference. The next conference that I know I'm going to is going to be at Cal State University, San Bernardino, January 27th, I believe. It's a Saturday near the end of the month. It's a MAPS conference. January 27th is the correct date. Um, So I hope to meet you there if you can make it in to that conference. If not, plan on going either to the UC Davis conference next year. It's in October. uh, The AMSA Pre-MedFest conference, which uh, I don't know those dates yet, but probably around October Again, uh, early November, again next year. I'll be at the AMSA convention in D.C. 
this coming uh, March. So I'll be in a bunch of different places. I hope to meet you there. All right, on to the show. This is going to be an amazing conversation with somebody who is helping students of all shapes and sizes, all skill levels to improve their cars. Now, cars, what is cars? Critical analysis and reasoning. It's the new version of verbal reasoning. Now, if you've been around the MCAT world for a while, verbal reasoning used to kill people on the MCAT. And guess what? Cars still kills people on the MCAT, especially, especially if you are an ESL student. Now, my guest today, Jack Weston, or Jack, the man behind Jack Weston, is going to share with us his thoughts about ESL students and the car section. He's going to share his thoughts on how to best prepare for cars, the biggest mistake that students make with cars, and so much more. Jack has been helping students with cars for a long time now. You can find out everything that he does at jackweston.com. That's W-E-S-T-I-N.com. If you go to medicalschoolhq.net slash jackweston, that will take you to the show notes for this page, which when updated and when I have some information from Jack, will give you any sort of deals or specials going on for his cars training. So medicalschoolhq.net slash jackweston to stay up to date with any future deals or specials or anything that's going on for his cars training. All right, I want to jump in. So let's go ahead and say hi to Jack and talk about how you can maximize your score on the car section. Jack, welcome to the Pre-Med Years. Thanks for joining me. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I get a ton of questions on my Hangout group about Jack Weston cars prep. And I'm always thinking to myself, I've seen this person, I've seen this website, but I never know who who it is. And so now I finally get the chance to talk to the Jack Weston. Briefly, for somebody listening to this who hasn't heard of Jack Weston, who hasn't heard of the help that, that you do, the, 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 the tutoring that you do, and the services that you offer for cars people, who, who is Jack Weston? Right. Jack Weston is someone, me, who is in it to help students get to the next level, get into their dream medical school. Um, it is primarily a cars course, cars strategies, whatnot. But I think the ultimate game is to get into school, a medical school that you like or you want to get into. And uh, Jack Weston is a person who helps you get there, right? Whether it's through cars, whether it's the MCAT, whether it's, you know, just advice. Uh, I'm basically the older brother or younger brother that you may not have had or the mentor you may not may not have had. I mean, that's that's kind of what the concept of Jack Weston is all about. Most people hate cars. How do you land into building a business around teaching people what most people hate? How do you how did you find a passion for this? Yeah, so I don't like memorizing. I've never liked memorizing even as a pre-med, med. Like I just don't like memorizing. And I feel cars 
is one of those sections where we're reading the, the verbal section is one of those sections where you don't have to memorize a thing. You don't have to know a thing from the outside other than common sense. And I think that is where um, I, fi- I that's what I find very interesting is the fact that it's all logic. It's based on critical thinking and it's very uh, intellectually stimulating. That's why I think I, I've done this for so long is because it, it really challenges me to be able to explain very difficult concepts to very smart students. And I just find a lot of joy from that. All right. We're going to dive into a handful of questions here, very common questions that you get a lot, that I get a lot about the cars section. And hopefully after listening to this, we can just refer everybody, go listen to our podcast and you'll get all of your answers, uh, all of your questions answered. Does that sound good? Let's go for it. So let's start off with the the basic. What is CARS? So CARS stands for Critical Analysis and Reasoning Skills. That's basically another way of saying read a passage and answer questions based on the passage. Uh, you have a total of nine passages. You have 90 minutes to complete it. It's only one of the four sections on the current MCAT. Um, and that's, and you have about 53 questions. That's, that's cars. That's 90 minutes, nine passages, 53 questions. Why is cars important in the grand scheme of becoming a physician? I I would assume that being a physician, if I were to put my pre-med shoes back on, being a physician is all about science. Why, why do I need to read and answer questions based on passages? Great question. So I think there are a couple of reasons why this test matters, and I'll get into each one of them. Number one, primarily, it's really a test to see how much, how committed you are to medicine. Are you committed or are you interested? Because if you're simply interested, this test will eat you alive, this entire test. I mean, you, you're you not going to want to study for it. You're going to stress out. I mean, you might stress out even if you're committed, but you will give up if you're not committed. And that's why they put this test out there. They want to see, can you sit there and study for four months and really endure a struggling exam, a a very difficult time in your life, which can result in a lot of, uh, of, uh, how can I say this? A lot of like good things, uh, good outcomes, because you're going to become a stronger student. You're going to be wiser. You're going to be smarter. So in that regard, it's a good weeder. It's a good way to test whether or not you really want this. Um, Another reason why I think CARS is really important is because it is based on thinking on your feet. As a physician must do, they must be able to think on their feet. They're given new information that you've never seen before, um, and you are supposed to use that information to basically help your patient or, or the problem out. You have to solve the problem. And that's another component of this exam. Talk about... When somebody first starts looking at the MCAT and and looks at what is involved, when should somebody start prepping for CARS? Is it something that they need to wait until they've taken English in in college? Like we have to wait until we take biology and chemistry and everything else? Or is CARS something that can be started right this second? It can start immediately because it does not require any science knowledge at all. Uh, As long as you can pass 12th grade English, basically a senior in high school can start studying for cars. I think it's something that students should look into sooner than later, rather than later. Um, 
it doesn't hurt to start reading every day. It doesn't hurt to just get accustomed to reading text, a specific test, uh, text in mind, but just reading every day can drastically improve your score two years down the road. Um, but that's not to stress you out. You don't need to, you know, read three hours a day or two hours a day for two years, but, you know, picking up an economist magazine, a subscription, or simply reading on, on things that you may, you may not be interested in can help you for sure. One of the common things that I always recommend is go read The Atlantic, go read The New Yorker, these these longer form content pieces. But just sitting down and reading something doesn't, in my mind, doesn't necessarily equate to studying. How is somebody supposed to sit down and read? What should they be thinking about as they're reading? So I think it's it's an innate thing that you acquire through practice. So believe it or not, your advice is solid. Reading Atlantic, you know, uh, reading uh, The Economist or any of those journals, you may not know what is going on, but over time, you're going to get a sense of the author. You're going to start understanding what the author is trying to convey, and that's a great starting point. Um, when you want to start actually practicing, you want to look for a couple things. One is, what is the author trying to tell me? Every single passage, every single article you ever read in your life, there is a message. You need to find that message. You need to understand why did the author sit there and write this? What can, what are they trying to convince me? And that is what this test is all about. They're trying to see, can you understand the arguments of the author, whether it's, you know, it could be very vague, it could be very dense, but ultimately that's the goal, goal because as a physician, your job is to understand your patients. Now, you may not understand all of your patients. Some of them may be very difficult to understand because they don't know English or maybe they know English better than you. So they're too sophisticated or too articulate for you. As a physician, your duty is to understand your patient. And that's what they're really testing here too is can you understand this author? A lot of students are familiar with the SAT and what it was like to to go through the SAT. How similar is the writing on the MCAT, the car section, compared to the writing on an SAT? The SAT is a lot easier because it focuses more on vocabulary and uh, not as much on ideas and, and thinking ability, uh, although there is definitely a component to that. Uh, so MCAT is a harder version of the SAT, I would say, in terms of reading. Uh, the passages are denser. The questions are a, a lot more difficult. Um, and it's not based on vocab, believe it or not. I mean, I, I have a lot of students that are English as a second language or a third language, and they, they're worried because they think, oh, I didn't, you know, I'm not, I don't read a lot. I don't, you know, my parents didn't force me to read or, um, I, you know, I don't like reading. I never read Harry Potter. I never read this or that, or I don't know vocab words. And you don't need to. It, it's a, it's how sharp you are. If you're sharp, then you're going to do well. You know, you're going to pick up things. You're going to, you're going to understand the pattern of the test and especially for cars because the whole test is reading based. I mean, even though cars is all reading, the other sections are reading too. You're going to read passages for the other sections and, and that's what the name of the game is. Can you read and understand things on the spot? Yeah, I think that's, uh, a misunderstood or something that's not thought of often is 
prepping for cars is going to prep you for the rest of the test as well. So I'm glad you brought that up. I, I also am glad you brought up ESL students because historically the data has shown that the MCAT destroys ESL students. And it's one of the most common questions. And when I put it out to my group that I, I have the Jack Weston coming on the podcast to talk about the car section, everybody was like, talk about ESL. How, how as an ESL student can I prepare the best for cars and for the MCAT in general? Okay, so it is true, ESL do struggle the most with this section, but not because of the reason that most people think, not because of their reading ability. It's more about their confidence. If you're not confident, you're not gonna do well, period. So something I like to help students with is realizing, hey, look, you don't need to know this word. You don't need to know what this sentence means. If you can understand this gist, right, this tone, then you can answer all the questions. So if you're an ESL student or ESL and you just, you don't necessarily like the car section, I hear you, I understand. But that doesn't mean you can't do well. I have students from various countries that barely speak English, like barely, uh, and they end up doing really well. They get 127 or higher uh, with consistent effort and practice. Uh, now, they do. They may need a little bit more time to get used to things, uh, maybe an extra month of study time. But overall, I don't think your reading ability is going to stop you from doing well on this entire test, especially for cars. Uh, if I, I like to say this. I like to say that if you can read a Facebook newsfeed, like someone's Facebook comments and or Instagram or, you know, just basic English, like literally, I love flowers or I love tacos or whatever. If you can understand basic English, if you can understand the words that are coming out of my mouth, you don't have an issue with reading. You, it's more of a confidence issue. And, and that's something I get into a lot. So where does an ESL student start then? If, if they can read Facebook, obviously they're on Facebook posting these comments to me. Mm -hmm. Where should an ESL student start to, to start building that confidence? A practice daily practice because when you're practicing something every day you're not thinking wow i wish i practiced more right it's like taking an exam if you practice and you tried your best then you're not going to sit there during the exam and say oh why didn't i try harder you tried as best as you possibly can i mean that's all you can do so basically just try every day work on reading work on understanding what the paragraph is saying for whatever you read um, your textbooks don't count. I get, I always get a student that asks, well, can I read my science textbooks? No, no. You got to read argumentative articles. You got to read dense things, uh, boring things. You got to read things that you, you normally don't want to read about. Like you don't want to read about Trump. You don't want to read about <laughs> North Korea. Okay. Because those are interesting. I don't care who you are in this time of world. You're going to find that interesting. So read about things you may not be interested in, like how artists try to extend painting to other classes. Like who, who reads that? Like no one reads that. And those are the things that they'll put on the test. So it's just being accustomed to reading boring stuff, which by the way, I, I offer for students, which we can talk about later, but also, you know, just picking up things that you may not necessarily read often and trying to understand it. That's, that's a great preparation that in, in itself. Talk about the, um, the, the common types of passages. You mentioned 
the painting and and extending whatever you said. That was boring. So I I kind of uh, closed you out because I'm like this is boring. Uh, yeah, so it was exactly. a perfect example. Um, talk about the the types of passages that someone may see in a car section. You're gonna see exactly that boring passages. I mean, there's just nothing to it. I mean, the reason why students blank out halfway through a passage or at the end of a passage or while they're doing a question is two reasons. One, they don't like what they're reading. And two, they're uncomfortable. You're being timed. You're in a test center with random people. You don't, you know, like you've never probably been in that situation before. And it's just, there's too much pressure on you. So you're, what are you going to do? You're going to say, oh, maybe let, let me void this test. Let me take it later. Right. But if you prep yourself, if you're like, okay, this is what I'm going to see on test day. This is what I'm going to feel on test day. So I better get used to it. I better practice and study this way, then you're ahead of the game because you know what to expect. And if you know what to expect, you'll probably go through it, persevere and and do well. When I took the MCAT way back in the day when it was still on paper, uh, it was it was the verbal reasoning. That's what cars was used to be called. And it was only three sections instead of four. And I got 10 in the sciences, again, old, old scoring system. Uh, and I got a seven in verbal, in verbal reasoning. And mm. I attributed that, my excuse to myself was, I'm a slow reader. Talk about that excuse, if it makes sense or not. Believe it or not, being a slow reader is actually a good thing. You want to be a slow reader. And I know everyone's thinking, wow, what? What is this guy talking about? But reading slow is not a bad thing. Half the battle is understanding what the author is saying. So if you're reading too fast, you're worried about the timer, you're not going to understand the author. You're not going to pay attention. You're you're disrespecting the author, right? It's like having a patient come into your room and you're looking at the clock. You're not paying attention to them. You're rushing them. You're not giving that patient the time they deserve. So you need to slow down. You need to actually understand the author. You need to understand what's going on. And And that's half the battle is training students to think the right way about this test, changing bad habits. So to answer your question, that's okay. Reading slow is okay. Is there any sort of minimum reading speed that you've seen that you 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 need to have and maybe somebody should test themselves at a baseline just to say, okay, my reading speed is good. I can I can cross that off as a concern. Yeah, let me give you like what I think every student should do, okay? When you read a sentence, read it like you normally would any other sentence, like on your Facebook newsfeed or whatever, you know, whatever it is, newspaper, whatever. So if you read it at that pace and you don't get it, that's not your fault. That's the MCAT trying to scare you. That's they're trying to intimidate you. So just move on until you understand whatever you do understand, right? And whatever you, you do get. So that that kind of advice where you go at the pace where you normally would go at no slower, no faster can dramatically improve your score. Explain that a little bit more. I'm I'm confused by what you mean by that. So a lot of students will see a random sentence that they might not necessarily enjoy reading, right? It's just a hard sentence that they don't understand. Mm-hmm. So what do you think they normally do when, when that happens? What, uh, what I, would, I would reaction? reread it. Okay, that's that's a mistake. You're wasting your time. That's that's you're panicking. You're 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 doing what they want you to do. But the MCAT, right? I, I need to read so I can understand. So if I didn't oh. understand, I must I need to reread it. Right. How much of a passage do you think you need to, <laughs> to under to to get the right answers? Because yeah, you're right. If you want to understand 
everything the author is saying and and write a PhD you know, thesis paper on it, I, I agree. You should understand every sentence you read. But when it comes to answering the questions, there's only five, seven questions per passage. You don't need everything. You need 20, 25% of a passage to get everything right. So if you know what to look for, how to look for it, how to use that information to answer the questions, you're on your way to a 129, 120, 130, 131. I mean, it's it's really not that bad. But not a 132. Come on, go big or go home. 132. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, 132 is very doable too if, <laughs> if you get lucky. I mean, you have to get lucky in some regards because um, it is a curved test. Not everyone, not, it's very hard to get 100% on this test. But I think all you really need to get into medical school is a 129. Now, if you have an ego, you know, you want to do all better, that's great. But you really only need a 129 to get in. Yeah, and, and curved... Uh, I have, um, I, I do my MCAT podcast with Next Step Test Prep. Curved, they don't like that word. They, they say it's a scaled test, right? I don't know if you, if you go into those differences at all, but just to it, throw it, that out there for students that listen to my other podcasts and are like, wait a minute, we, we, to- we were told it's not curved. <laughs> okay, yeah, you could look at it that Semantics. Way. Yeah, yeah, right. Talk about, you, you talked about as you're reading, wh- what, are, what am I supposed to be looking for? What am I supposed to understand? When you teach approaching a passage and the questions, what's the, the structure that you teach going into it? Do you read the passage first and then look at the questions, look at the questions first and then read the passage, read the first and last sentence of the passage? How do you go into breaking down the anatomy of a passage? Right. So let's think about what you think the MCAT wants. What do you think the AAMC wants you to do? Right. Do they do you think they want you to read the questions first or do you think they want you to read the passage first? Right. Why would they put the passage on the left side? Right. If they if they want you to read the questions first. Mm -hmm. So what I'm trying to say is go be normal. Right. Just approach this how you normally would. Don't do any tricks. Don't read the first paragraph and last paragraph. Don't read the questions first. These are mistakes because that's not what the test wants you to do. If you literally read their directions, they say, read the passage, answer the questions. Don't do anything random. Don't do any of those tricks. I don't like tricks. I don't like gimmicks, right? I like, I like to show students what you need to do, nothing more, nothing less, right? I don't want to waste your time with, with stuff you may not need. Um, with X, you know, stuff that is unnecessary. I think all you got to do is read the passage, understand the author, and then use that information to answer the questions. What's the most common mistake that students make in cars? Uh, they practice the wrong material. They use the wrong material to practice. Um, you know, non AMC material is decent practice if you're two years um, ahead, right? So if you're taking the test in two years, go ahead and buy non AMC material right? Like third party company material. But when it comes to doing well on this test, nothing comes close to reading and answering the questions the AAMC provides. So the AMC has a bank of questions that you can buy on their website. AMC is the MCAT. So if you don't know the the AMC create the MCAT, that's the organization that makes the MCAT. If you go, if you don't go on their website and buy that material and study that material, you're putting yourself at a huge disadvantage. So another big problem a lot of students have is they like to save material. They like to say, oh, I'm saving this material for the end because it's so important, right? It's, well, I think that's a huge mistake. 
because that's your lecture material. That's the stuff you need to use to learn, to take the final. So if you're saving that stuff to like the last week or two weeks, you're in effect cramming. And no one does well when they cram for this test. Okay, so you need to start looking at the AAMC material. They have these question packs that you should buy. Um, their practice exams, you should start doing them now. Granted, you don't want to do all their practice exams two in advance, but it's not a bad thing to do two or three of them. There's, you know, there's multiple practice exams they offer. So start doing them, start studying them, start reviewing them. That's what I, that's the biggest mistake I think students make. So let's talk about some of the top tips that you have for somebody just starting out on their MCAT prep journey and, and looking into doing as well as they can on the cars. And, and just a quick caveat, a lot of students, especially in Canada, because Canadian schools, most Canadian schools will only look at the cars section. Uh, and right. so they, they're like, I need to maximize my cars. So for, for those students that maybe are ESL and want to try to improve, or for the Canadian students who are only looking at maximizing their car section, what are some tips on starting out on their prep journey? So read often, like as we discussed before, read often, read boring stuff. Um, another big thing is also buy the AMC material, start looking at those passages, start reviewing them. There's a certain pattern that the AMC follows, uh, their logic. It's a very unique pattern that's only accustomed, or that's only developed by the AMC. No company really can come as close to the AMC in terms of that logic. So start looking at those questions, tr start trying to find those patterns early on, even a year in advance. I mean, it's not a bad thing to start that, you know, cars prep sooner than MCAT prep. I always recommend that to students that want to sign up for the courses, you know, sign up for or start studying for cars because that's something you can do every day, like for 30 minutes, which can dramatically improve your confidence and ultimately your score. Um, other tips that I like to give students is whenever you read, time yourself, time yourself whenever you read, like put your, you know, everyone has an iPhone these days. So just go on the timer you know, the timer app and just put on 10 minutes or six minutes or whatever you think it, a normal average student should take to read this passage and read it in that time. But don't rush yourself. Don't try to finish in that time. Just time yourself so that you get used to that timer. Time yourself so that you don't get nervous when test day comes around, right? Because that timer, if, if you're basing your uh, your approach based on this, like how fast you should go, uh, like the speed of the timer, you're going to mess up. So you got to pace yourself. You got to learn how to read faster and slower, depending on what you're reading. But ultimately that timer is going to change everything you do because you're, you're now in a new environment, new situation that you've never been in. So that's, that's, that's pretty big. Um, the timer timing yourself. Yeah. Okay. Are they looking to improve upon what so just collecting data in my mind is useless unless you do something with that data so are they looking to improve their time maintain the time what are they supposed to do with that time so uh, i like to i like to say that you have to be a warrior you have to have a warrior mentality right you have to do so many practiced passages and timed passages so that over time your brain gets accustomed to it so yeah you don't necessarily need to write that data down but it is doing something. It's changing your habits. It's changing the way you are adapting to this test. So that's that's my answer to you. I mean, it, it's more about 
adapting to to the style of the exam. That's why you're timing yourself. And you need to adapt to do well. Okay. After reading and timing themselves, are there a list of questions? Should they be writing down with pen and paper or in a Word document somewhere, writing down their thoughts? Okay, what was the author trying to convey to me? What was the author trying to convince me of? Should be should they be writing, um, going through a, a set of questions after each article they read? A good thing to do after each paragraph is write down what is this paragraph about? Like, what are they trying to tell me? What is the author trying to convey in this paragraph? In a very general way, something that you can explain to your best friend, something that you can explain to your brother or sister, very informal. This paragraph is about this. This paragraph is about that. You don't have to write down this paragraph, but for every paragraph, write down two to four words that describe that paragraph, what is going on in a general way. Don't write down the details. Believe it or not, the MCAT doesn't test the details. So they, they test for big ideas, big picture. So having that as, is, is a great way to get used to the MCAT style. Um, at the end of the passage, you can kind of ask yourself, hey, what, why did the author write this passage? Like, what's the main idea? And those two things can help you pretty much get every question right. Is that a technique that you suggest doing even on your real test day, or is that just a prep thing? Uh, it, both prep thing and real on test day. I think it's a great strategy. Now, in the course, I go into specifics on exactly how to read every sentence, exactly how to answer questions step by step. So if you know if a student is is very methodological, is very step oriented, right, mechanical, I would say, then then you want to uh, follow those steps. But some students just want to read and understand the gist of things, and and that's fine too. And I think that's a great strategy on its own. What's been the one thing that when you tell a student, they come back and be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I was doing it wrong that whole time, or oh my gosh, that that has made such a huge difference in my understanding of what's going on? Great question. So I think the number one thing that students don't do is visualize. They don't visualize what they read. So to give you a little bit of a, a background of what that means is when you read a sentence or a word of a sentence, what do you think of? What comes to mind? Does it register? Does it click with you? So for instance, if I said the word elephant, what do you think of? What's the first thing <laughs> you, you imagine when you see an elephant? Not a giraffe. Right, right not a giraffe. You see <laughs> an elephant, a big one, gray, yeah. you know. But what if I say that is flying, an elephant that is flying? Now what do you see? What do you imagine? What do you picture in your head? Well, now you should probably see an elephant that is you know, that has wings that's kind of flying in the air, right? That's kind of what everyone should see. What you shouldn't see is like an airplane because you should, you, you, you're essentially morphing your visualization based on the next word, right? So when you see an elephant, you should, and, and the word flying, you should think of an elephant flying. You shouldn't read that and not register it or, or think of something else that's really random, right? Um, that's, that's huge. Visualizing is not only helpful for cars, but also very helpful for the sciences because you're given a lot of experimental passages, a lot of uh, experiments that deal with, you know, like moving test tube A to test tube B or pathways, metal, uh, you know, biochemistry pathways that you have to follow. So visualizing those pathways, getting used to thinking that way is essential, is critical to your success. And that's one thing that students always come back and say, hey, wow, I never did that. When, when I'm starting to do that, I totally get why you're doing that. 
There's a, and I don't know the author off the top of my head, but somebody who's like a, a, a wizard in memorizing long digits and other things, and he wrote a book about it, and, and I've contacted him to come on the website to talk about that uh, memorization technique, and it's exactly what you just said. People that can memorize a deck of cards, that can memorize long digits, they visualize every piece of data as as they, they think about walking through a room and they think, oh, okay, uh, uh, the two of spades is this pair of shoes on the floor and, and whatever they, they do. But visualization is huge um, for keeping things in memory a little bit longer. Absolutely. And I can kind of explain that with an analogy. I mean, it, have you, you know, if you've ever read a book and you're just turning the page, it's because you're so immersed in it. You've, you see the character, you see the plot, you, see, you understand what's going on. You, you visualize it, right? You, you, you see the character look a certain way. And when you see the movie that the book is based off of, right? Um, you see like, let's say you've read Harry Potter and then you watch Harry Potter. Normally students don't like the movie as much as the book if they've read the book first. Why? Why would they not like the movie if they've already watched or if they've already read the book? Yeah, the, right. the director's vision is different than what they pictured. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's a great analogy. Perfect. Oh, Jack, you mentioned a course that you you teach students how to break down cars, passages, and everything else. Talk about what uh, a student can expect when going to jackweston.com to see what sort of services you offer. So yeah, so the course is very immersive. It's uh, it's not only designed to help you improve on cars, but it's designed to help you understand the MCAT, understand the logic of this test. What a student needs to do in order to do well. So what are what is your job as a student? What does the MCAT expect from you? Right? There's no magic, right? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give you the answers to the to the, the your test, right? But what you can get is a way of reading, a way of understanding the questions that you've probably never have been accustomed to, which will make you a smarter less biased, more logical and object and and objective thinker so that it helps you not just with cars but also with the other sections and even your step 1 or board exams if you're in Canada whatever they call it but you know in any case it will help you with pretty much every test you take in your life i mean because you're essentially learning how to look at things in an in a very objective manner and is this a course that I have to take at a certain time? Is it a self-paced course? What does that look like? Yeah, so it fluctuates, but depending on the curriculum, it is a very self-paced oriented course. I do recommend that students take it in advance before they even start studying for the MCAT. So three, four, five, even six months in advance would really help you because you get to understand the structure of the test. Now, I do have students who take the course while they're, studying for the other sections and they have three months to prepare and it still helps them a lot and and, and it's, it's it's great but i always say give yourself more time so that you aren't pressured you aren't stressed because that's really a stressful time in your life and the last thing you want to do is rush so signing up sooner will allow you to gain the skills you need to effectively tackle the entire test um, in terms of what other services i offer i have practice exams uh, cars practice exams that I, I believe I don't, I still, you know, even though it's, you know, I'm trying to promote my company, I still don't think anything comes close to the AMC, right? Like you should use the primary, use the AMC practice exams as your primary resource. But 
you know, I've been in this business for like 10 years. I've been teaching for such a long time. I have so much experience with students that I feel like I really understand what they're trying to get at. And I feel like my questions are very similar, if not identical to the logic that they use. So I recommend that students use those questions. And um, in, in the coming weeks, it's going to be free, absolutely free for students to use the practice exams. Um, so uh, that's something that I look forward to sharing with everyone that is is listening to this podcast and needs extra help. Um, I also offer uh, cars passage a day emails. So you get an email where you get literally a passage a day that looks just like what you're going to see on your test. That's boring passages that normally you don't want to read. So I recommend opening up, subscribing to that free email list, opening up that email every day and reading one of those passages every day. You don't even need to subscribe to an economist article if you use those passages. Um, you know, one a day for two years. Do you know how insanely helpful that's going to be for you? I mean, that's it's really important to do that um, if you can, if you have the time to read every day. For somebody listening to this and is still stressed out about cars, rightfully so, I think, because cars, I think, is is the most uh, stressful part of the test. What words of advice, wisdom do you have as as we finish up here for them to to take a breath and relax? Okay, so I don't think the car section is the be all and end all. I don't think that if if you don't do well on this section, you can't get into medical school. So if you really can't do well on cars and you and you feel like that's you, email me. I'll I'll, get, I'll guide you and I'll help you. Get, like I'll show you the ways you can get into medical school. There are other ways to get in other than having a high car score. Now, with that being said, I do think that everyone can do well on cars. I, I really do. Um, I do have students every year that email me after the course ends and they say, hey, Jack, I was really confused with these strategies. I was really, you know, I was really having a hard time with these strategies. And that's after the fact, that's after they take the course and they've taken the exam. If you're do, if you're, my advice to you is whether or not you sign up for the course, if you're having problems, you should speak up. You should get the help you need. Don't avoid your weaknesses. Don't go into the test unprepared. Now, no one will be fully prepared. That's another thing you have to realize. Everyone is stressed out equally. Everyone is feeling the same pressure. But I think if you can devote yourself for three months and try your best, you probably don't, you don't, you're not going to have a problem with this test. You're probably going to be okay. As long as you put in the effort, you've done all the AMC practice passages and exams, and you've tried your best to understand your weaknesses, then I really think you're going to do well. You're going to be committed enough to get into medical school. All right, there you have it. Crushing cars. That's what we should call this episode. Crushing cars. Not the automobile kind, but critical analysis and reasoning on the MCAT. Again, go to medicalschoolhq.net slash Jack Weston. That's W-E-S-T-I-N for the latest, greatest information on what Jack Weston has to offer you on the cars section. I hope this was useful for you. If you have any ideas for future episodes, let me know. I'm always listening. Ryan at medicalschoolhq.net. If you haven't shared this podcast, if you haven't physically taken your friend's phone, now only a friend who's not going to call 911 for you taking their phone, take their phone and subscribe to the podcast, whether it's on the podcast app on iOS, Podcast Addict on Android, wherever it may be, 
subscribe to this podcast for them. Do them the favor of subscribing so that they get this episode every week on their phone. I hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on The Pre-Med Years.